and culture summits the airwaves this is the nine rails arts podcast i'm r brandon long alongside todd oberndorfer and we are the banning collective arts and adventure podcasting since 2010 this episode includes an interview with thane fisher managing member of fisher reagan enterprises and hard hat tour guide of the monarch building in the center of the nine rails arts district in ogden utah Todd is scoping out Thane's Facebook page, and it says... He loves family, which we can vouch for. He's a very nice family. Social entrepreneurship and community. Yes. I think that sums him up pretty well. Yes. So we learned a a little bit about Montana. Uh, Motorcycles. Motorcycles, yep. And the Monarch. And his first jobs. His first... Oh, which that was pretty good. So wait till you hear what his first jobs were. I think you're going to love these stories. Yeah. Yeah, This was a great conversation with... uh, So, you know, for those of you who who maybe are unfamiliar, but the Monarch building, you shouldn't be because we've been talking about it now for months, but uh, the Banyan Collective's new home, we will have a, a studio, a trailer, a 1960 vintage trailer that we are... Uh, urbanizing to turn into a, a studio that will be inside the artist space of the Monarch building. So the Monarch building will be full of artist spaces, workspaces. Yep. And uh, home of uh, van sessions now as well. Yep. So you're going to get to know us very, very well. So who bought this building? Who's, who's renovating it? Who is in charge of this whole thing? Well, it's Thane Fisher and we had an excellent interview with him. So this is Thane Fisher on Episode 12 of the Nine Rails Arts Podcast. Was this the first recording in the Monarch space? This is the first recording to my knowledge in the space. space. Now, there's a lot of things that happen without my knowledge, but this is the one (laughs) with my knowledge in the space. And then, of course, we've recorded and you've recorded in the... What do we call in the space above us, that parking area? That is the upper deck. The upper deck. The upper deck. The upper deck. It's a upper deck of parking. The upper deck of parking, so it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> we're we're really, we're really not to too it. sophisticated. We're uh, yeah, it's the upper deck, but it, no, it just sounded kind of you know sounded kind of cool. So we are sitting down inside the Monarch in what will be the the Banyan Collective's new recording studio space. Those of you that will be watching this video later, you'll see what we're talking about. We are sitting in front of what is probably an expensive bot backdrop but will be a nice recording studio here pretty soon and that is our 19 is it 50 1960 1960 aristocrat this old mm-hmm. school retro looking van and so uh, rescued gonna, from idaho i should rescued say from rexburg from rexburg idaho where it was very cold it and was super it's nice cold. and it's happier but now. a nice young couple uh put a little money into it looks kind of nice on the inside we're of course going to banyanize it and mm-hmm. so we're going to make it a little bit more soundproof, maybe change a couple of things. But thank you for joining us in here. Well, thank you for uh, having me. I know me. how busy you are because I know how busy we are, and you're, you're one of the busier guys in town. So thanks for taking a minute. So I'm talking with Thane Fisher uh, with uh, 
Fisher Reagan. What's the name of your enterprises? Group? Enterprises. Name, yeah, Fisher Reagan Enterprises. Uh, my uh, the enterprises is you and my wife and another partner out of Phoenix. For the most part, we just see the two of you. Yeah. So I haven't my, met your partner out of Phoenix. When's he coming up again? Like he's actually him. been here quite a bit. He was here for the grand opening. Uh, oh, he, you're keeping him from us. He, well, he just <laughs> he he likes being low key. Right. He's the one that keeps me out of trouble. It's probably good to keep that yes, balance. Yes, yes. Yeah. I need him. So what's him. he do that you don't do? What, what's He's he do an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a good attorney and a good accountant. And uh, so he, he is the one that's now uh, Marty McHugh. He has his own law firm. And uh, we met in 2004. Uh, that's some time ago. Enough time to keep you out of years. trouble for a while. He has, he has been through about everything there is to go through with a partner. And equally so. excited. I think so. He's always uh, he seems equally excited, and, but he's an attorney. He kind of keeps everything close to the uh, close to the best. So you know, <laughs> Does that mean like no humor or <laughs> yeah. all no, humor. He, he actually would be better on this show than I. Oh really? Because he has a so extremely <laughs> extremely dry but fun sense of humor. We laugh a lot. Okay, that's fantastic. So, uh, so we are inside the Monarch. Uh, the Monarch will be opening up for business soon. In fact, a few of us have already snuck in. Um, uh, I don't know how you guys bit. have done it. Yeah. Uh, this, the <laughs> developer the on this way. is crazy. I, all <laughs> I can tell you, but uh, no, it's been, uh, we're so excited that you're, you're making this your, your home. We have uh, another uh, tenant that just, or a creative, I think is a better word to say, another creative that just, uh, we announced it's uh, Kiesha, I'm going to say Kiesha, I always say her name wrong, Thomas, who does letterpress. The and printmaker. We, the printmaker. Which I could be more excited about. As a fellow printmaker, I had a chance to meet her a couple of van sessions ago, and uh, she couldn't be nicer. She is amazing, and we, we couldn't be happier. And so we will be, I guess, leaking out as new people come in. We have actually have uh, quite a few uh, people that have signed agreements and committed. In fact, if anything, it's the backload or the, the bottleneck is on my part trying to process applications and get systems in place and you know I feel like I just created myself a whole new job I, I thought I just wanted to be the guy who you know redevelops old buildings and then move on and you know now I have to actually put systems in place and hold people accountable for when they're here and you know have, have keys and I see why your is, partner's in Phoenix yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's the smart one that leaves you up here to do all the things yeah let people into the building yes yes get them extension cords I think that was my only responsibility at our first show a porta potty a porta potty and an extension and cord an extension yeah cord. and I delivered and you delivered so that built trust see <laughs> <laughs> the porta potty he the was, the, was, was key. The, the game changer. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the little things. That it's, was funny. But it's what kept our audience in one place. Right. So they didn't yes. have to, and so they didn't have to loiter over at the, the Bigelow. I'm sure they're probably thankful as far as that goes, too. I agree. That was, no, that was a funny night. I was laughing so hard because you're like, Thane, you just needed to do two things <laughs> porter pot, porter potty, and an extension cord. And I was having a problem with the extension cord. The extension cord, cord was last end. minute? It was last yeah. minute, but I did pull it <laughs> that off. That was pretty funny. No, that was good. Uh, that was a test, that actually. Was. Yeah. So thanks. Um, if you had delivered too soon, we would have been like, I don't know if that's a fit with a band yet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to yeah. be able to offer yeah. last minute. So yeah. pretty last perfect. minute. Yeah. Um, I want, do you, what year is this building? I was, so it was, built, uh, it was built in 1929, if I remember correctly. It was in conjunction with the Bigelow Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be the Reed Hotel, and it would burn down. And then it was mm-hmm. rebuilt by Archie Bigelow as the Bigelow okay. Hotel, and, or the Bigelow Auto Garage. And it supported all the guests' auto needs at that time. So if you can 
think about the roads and the cars that were basically there at that time and they would come across and get here and they would need service and they would need maintenance. I'm thinking more than just little potholes. Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's, uh, it it had a, it's always had an automotive presence. This was an indoor parking garage, even up until about the 70s when a lot of the, or a lot of the front of the space was converted into uh, restaurant spaces, et cetera. I've heard Senior Frogs and I've heard The Mexican Place and El Toro, uh, El Toro Bravo was another Mexican facility. There was actually a barbecue place here, but uh, they would all park inside this facility. Uh, but then we have now enclosed it, and it is now going to be a creative community. And this is, uh, to kind of give you an idea, this is around 57 50, 50,000 square feet? How big is this building? It's 57,000 feet from a footprint. But, you know, by the time we're finished out, I know there's going to be some mezzanines and some additional space that has been created. We're going to be, you know, north of 60,000 feet when it's all said and done. Plus whatever this is, that's additional. Yeah, this You're is pointing additional to Banyan 1. I'm yes, this is about, hey, what, 14 by 8? <laughs> so I'm adding, the, I never, you know, thank you. because I know You're that, welcome, yeah. That gives me some more leasable Ex- square footage. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that in. That's perfect. Yeah. You editing that out? Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. You have, you came to Ogden, you fell in love with uh, the old structures, the old buildings here, but it's got to come from somewhere. Where did you grow? Where did it, where'd you grow up? How did you fall in love with keeping old buintri- buildings? What is it you're trying to recover from from your youth? <laughs> what wow, bad happened? A, yeah. your, I mean, what buildings did your parents tear down <laughs> yeah, that were your favorites? I guess my mom never talked to me. There was something that, you know, I, a deficiency in my youth. Well, so I grew up in Montana uh, and, you know, I, I lived in a very rural area. Known like, for its building mecca. Yeah, yeah. Known for its building mecca. No, we uh, we actually had a pretty cool uh, Kalispell, which is the, the, the larger city that I live next to. I didn't live in Kalispell. Its population is about 15, 20,000. But I lived out between Kalispell and Libby on a very rural area uh, on a ranch. And so I was you looked young, like you lived on a ranch. I, you looked like you I, lived on a Montana ranch. I'm sure was, people have told you that before. You're I, like a poster child for Montana. Really? Because I've had no unless I'm wearing my I boots. I see you as a ranch hand. I, I, I see you could get dirty on a ranch. I milk cows most of my life. I uh, yeah, we had the whole the whole working ranch. So I did that until I was introduced to a motorcycle at the age of 13 and I abandoned ranchhood. I was like, dad, I don't care about the horses. I want the the little shiny fast object. Do you remember what bike it was? Yeah, it was actually a, I want to say like a Honda 125. Oh yeah. I can't remember the, uh, I mean, this thing was just a, it was ready to, it was a backbreaker. I mean, I was going to (laughs) break my back any day and we would, uh, I would, I, I gave up the horse and went into uh, riding a motorcycle and uh, it was funny because I could put a helmet on and then I could go anywhere because no mm. one could see how old I was. So I actually oh. would drive Although all Montana, over. Montana, what's the age limit for anything? Do they pay attention to those on no, the range? They really like don't. Like, but once you get into town. The age is, can you can you actually have enough weight to make that Deal. kickstand work? <laughs> that was it. You know, can you actually, can you jump on that to yeah. make it turn over? And if yeah. you kid, you're old enough to drive. When's your height come? Were you, were you a young, uh, a tall child? I, I was actually, yeah, I was tall and skinny. I think that, and so that helps when you're 13 and trying yeah. to get into places and do things. I, I lied about my job or my, my age to my first job. I worked at a truck stop and I was 14 and a half and I don't think they were supposed to hire you until you were 15. 
and uh, but I could drive my motorcycle in there with my helmet on, and no one could see my my age, and so I got the job. So that was. I love it. Which also, if I remember, I. I may have heard a little bit of this story, but it, it helped keep you fed too, didn't it? It did. I actually had a crazy, crazy childhood from a, I matured really quick. I moved out of my house when I was actually uh, my, after my junior year. So I lived here, had my own house my senior year in high school. Amicable parting or did you need oh, to no, get out of Oh no, it's totally, I, I, we lived out in the country so far and I started working at this truck stop when I was in like really eighth grade, but I said I was in ninth. And uh, by the time <laughs> I, I got to my senior year, I was working the graveyard shift, so I would work from 11 at night till 7 in the morning. Yeah. And, uh, and I worked Monday through Friday, so I'd get off at 7 in the morning and go to school all day. Oh, jeez. And so it How was... How were those grades? Uh, actually, they were great, because all night, after 2 o'clock in the morning, no trucks straight came through. Straight up homework. Straight up homework. And mm. so I learned how to drink, like, truck stop coffee. <laughs> At 14. <laughs> 14. Wow. And yeah, that was the last inch he grew. I think that I was, was like 25 right before I, I went mind, that far. All rotted out. <laughs> I'm thinking between yeah. the truck stop coffee and truck stop food. Oh, that well, was probably it. I mean, yeah, I we're lucky to have you here today. So I, so I don't do sugar now. And the oh. reason I don't do sugar is because when I started working the graveyard. Because you had all the sugar already. Well, I'd actually dated the guy who would restock the hostess Twinkie stand, his daughter. And so when he would come in, he would like, what do you want? And can you imagine being a high school students with unlimited access to hostess, like Twinkies and and so for ding like dongs, those little ding, oh, the pink ding things were the most. Those yeah. were like so I, Snowball, I ate right? snowballs. Yeah. Yeah. I ate that. Like he'd just bring it over to the counter and I'd eat that all night. And <laughs> I like don't see you eating three, any of those now. Three months into that, I couldn't. So I to this day, my kids are like, well, how come you don't like sugar, daddy? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I actually uh, I had a bad experience. Got my fill. I got yeah. my fill in sugar. Yeah, it was a phase, and then it was a necessary. It was a phase. phase. Yeah. It was totally a phase. And then you and then you healthied up. Well, I, it wasn't by choice. I think I ended up throwing up one night in the men's restroom in a truck stop. <laughs> and it wasn't even whiskey. Too many. It's so it was, dig dogs. I think it was those pink <laughs> those snowballs. Snowballs. Yeah. yeah I just yeah. There's nothing good about a pink <laughs> snowball. There's just Better than yellow it's one. It's all trouble. This is a good point as well. I stand corrected. All right. So it's pretty much then straight from the truck stop to the monarch that was it there was really not much no, i had a couple it, huh? so I, I actually went to college in arizona and stayed so that's what brought you know i went to, i went down to arizona uh to go to school and via wyoming two years in wyoming wrestled in wyoming for a couple years and then i ended up going to uh arizona state you wrestled or wrestled well it depends on who it was with nice <laughs> If it was with a guy, it was called that. wrestling. If it was a girl, it was rustling. <laughs> rustling. Uh, yeah, it was rustling. And if it was on the ranch, it was a different it, rustling. Yes, it exactly. Was, yeah. So, no, it was, uh, it, it was so cold in Wyoming. I mean, frigid cold. And I went down to Arizona for spring break. And I'm like, why am I going to school where it's so cold? So I moved there and went to college, finished it up, and then uh, stayed there for 20-plus years. What did you go to school for? Electrical engineering. Electrical engineering. Yes. That was computer science for two years and then electrical engineering. H how much of that do you use today? Uh, don't ask me to put that camera together. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I, okay. I actually uh, met a gentleman who said, You're, you know, when you get done with your degree, come work for me. And it was in real estate. So I ended up coming to work for him. And Attractive uh, from the start or a job from the start? Just really, you know, he was a, a great mentor and he was just, it, it fit my personality better, and and I I liked uh, I, I've always liked real estate. 
is I've actually that's about the only thing that it's been really really good to me. So what kind of real estate did you start in? Uh, I actually started selling golf lots. Uh, he owned a golf course at, uh, in North Scottsdale, and I was selling golf lots. And it really wasn't that successful because right, I think it was literally a month after I received my real estate license, the, the uh, SNLs failed, and there was this huge bust, and the stock market had its second biggest drop since, like, 1929. That had nothing to do and with it. And so it was for, just like, timing. two to three years, it was just famine. And I was like, I can't. What year was that? It was in 89. Or 87 is when the actual stock market had the drop. So I got my license in September, and it was in October of 87 that the market just fell off a cliff. Mm. 87. Yeah, Yeah. in 87. And so So then you uh, you fell back. You had those truck stop skills. I had truck stop. I actually had bartending skills. I put myself through college bartending. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went back to bartending. I worked uh, in the real estate market for a year. I, it was just horrible. My people that I looked up to were going, you know, going out of business. And so I was like, I, I got to make some money. And I knew how to bartend. So I went back to bartending. It keeps you extremely sociable. I, uh, I worked uh, sort of nine to five art director, front of a computer, graphic design type work for years. I did it for about seven years. And it was, I was kind of slowly losing my mind. Just too much of the same. Like the right? computer was taking The over. computer was talking to me. You know, By the way, if I was getting messages. The sun's shining in here. You're, yeah, thank you're, you for this light. This light is it's amazing. It's beautiful, except for I think you're in pure darkness. That's all right. So you're which is like, what I like. <laughs> I'm going into the Batman voice of just working it out of the it's shadows. It shines yeah. so brightly on Thane and myself, and then Todd's over there in like the darkness. I should have so brought my sunglasses. Yeah, it's pretty bright. Yeah, thank yeah. you for, for keeping yeah. these skylights. I mean, of course yeah. you had to with these skylights. I mean, no, there was, was a post today on Facebook about the natural light. Uh, yeah. No, in the it, this is... The natural light in this building was probably one of its uh, main attractions. Oh, uh, for I mean, a creative, they just go nuts for it. Mm-hmm. We go nuts for it. We, we do audio work. We didn't know much about that whole creative market, you know, in 2011, which is when we purchased this building. It was just, it was the natural light. And I've always been, I love light and bright. I mean, in our homes or whatever we buy, I like the natural light. So when this, when we did the walkthrough and we saw this natural light in this building, I said, I don't know what this is going to be, but it'll be cool. Which was interesting because how many years went by before you made, did anything on, on the building? Yeah, well, we owned it since 11. So we started, we actually physically started construction on it in 2018, January. So Stop you do the math. Well, it's you been it seven years. Yeah. But it's funny because, you know, the construction process is really the quickest. I mean, it takes, you know, people are like, oh, you've, you know, you've had that building and they don't realize that there's probably anywhere for every, you know, for every month of construction, there's two to three months of pre-development. I read something interesting. We're going to talk about one of your favorite guys here in just a minute, Leslie Hodgson, right? But who I've grown to adore the work that he's done as well. But I, I wrote down this one stat that you probably already know maybe Brandon doesn't know so one of his biggest projects of course was the Ogden High School and he did it they built that high school in like a year and a month yes which was wow. the most expensive wow. I think project uh it's like a million that, bucks yeah in that the first that period uh, of time. public school in America in the yes. west in America I think oh the timing was like this yes. amazing age of work and so much of it was done by by Hodgson so uh, all right so we'll, we'll jump to him in just a second but I had to point that out Ogden High School which used to be called Harrison High School which I thought that was interesting 
a year and a month. I just, I mean, that is a beast mm -hmm. of a high school that we, of course, all know so incredibly well, and it's so big. But it goes right back to how quick something can be done. And that was some time ago. That was, well, that, that is, that's an amazing, amazing piece of architecture. And I'm so excited that Ogden and the people of Ogden restored it back to its glory. I mean, it's phenomenal. Oh, it's amazing. I drive by it every morning when I take my kids to school and I just go, oh, it's so cool. I, whenever there's a, a events, anything that I can to kind of explore, because I, do they do tours? They need to do tours if they don't, because there's hard so much of that tours. school I have. I hear they're <laughs> really big nowadays. I think they should do hard hat They should tours. do hard hat. How many people have you had? I'll add it up. Walk through the building. You know, For your hard hat tour. Yeah, yeah hard hat tour. Well, it's funny. I've been doing it every other Friday, and I think I've only missed one in the last probably almost 18. No, let me see. It'd be at least 14 months. Yeah. So 14, 14 months of hard hat two, tours. You know, we're at 28 times 10. So what's that? 280. We've had two to 300 people yeah. through the building. Do you know what you're getting yourself into when you committed to no, that from the beginning? I didn't. It was a marketing idea. It's like, oh, let's do And really, we used to have to wear the hard hats. Like, yeah. my oh, GC yeah. was so angry. Was hard, Not angry, but concerned is a better word. And, you know, they're like, what are you doing? Why are you taking these people through? This is a live construction zone. And I'm like, I got to get people, the, you know, I want to get the community involved. I want them to see the process. I want them to get attached to the building and tell their friends. And quite frankly, it's been an amazing, I would do it on every one of my projects now, just because the community likes it. Yeah, they love I'm it. ready for the Peary apartment tour. I want to be on that first one. Uh, that'll be probably in, I'm, I'm hoping April, 1st of April is at the, at, at the latest. It, yeah, 1st of I'm April at the I'm getting some good latest. teasers. Yeah. Your marketing person's doing a good job. Awesome. <laughs> I'm getting real excited. It's, it's, it's been a- uh, Hodgson property number two? Have you gotten any before that? I really, you know what? I. I, you know, I love the, the monarch from a name, trust me, but uh -huh. we really, I like, they fought me hard for this building not to be called the Hodson. And then when we were doing the whole nine, naming the creative district, I wanted this to be the Hodson district district because most of his, you know, you can stand here at 25th and Adams and I think you can count five of his buildings from the corner yeah, in a of circle. 25th street and Adams, yeah. which I thought, but you know, I, I, I didn't win that discussion, and quite frankly, the the, the Nine Rails is a fantastic name. For nine Rails is great. It yeah. Is. So, are you familiar with Hodgson, Brandon? Just a little bit. All right. Yeah. So, we got to talk about this guy just for a little bit. All right. So, you introduced him to me. Obviously, the name. I think it was the very first tour of this building, right? So, I was not familiar. Obviously, there's so many buildings within Ogden. If you pay attention, with that they. Hey, that reminds me of that or that. There's some influence of that. This old style, right? And so. The more you read about him, the more you find out that uh, over the course of his 40-year career, this guy did over 75 buildings, a lot of residential buildings, yes. which you can spot up in Eccles, essentially built this as a neighborhood park of houses or something. I mean, it, it's, it's really like nothing else in town. They call it the, I think they call it the pocket park. Pocket park? Yeah, it's the pocket park. There's a little park right there where, yeah, where there's, I think, multi, like three browning homes and then the Wattis have a home there. And it's actually, it's, it's amazing residential architecture. So I'm going to even go a step further back than that, right? And so Hodgson was, he was trained for a couple of years by these two guys, Samuel Dallas and Richard Klet, Kletting, Kletting, say that. Kletting. Yeah, I tried to say that like three times. Kletling. 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 Anyway, these that's gentlemen a, that's actually he worked a technique for, of woodworking, I think. <laughs> designed <laughs> the, the, the state capital. <laughs> designed the state capital and designed like 
five or six of the buildings in the president circle down at the University of Utah, right? And so having that influence before he even got his start up here in Ogden was like, all right, this guy. Oh, so that was before he came up here. Royalty. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's before he started yeah. working on his own. But then, and you, how many can you list off? Of his buildings. Well, obviously, you mentioned the Ogden High School. Yep. And then we have Perry's Apartments. Yep. Uh, we have the Forest Service Building. We have the Ben Loman Garage, the Ben Loman, the Ogden wow. City Municipal Building, and mm -hmm. I want to say Perry's Egyptian Theater. Perry's Theater. He, well, you know, one of my favorite buildings in town is the the Scowcroft Warehouses. You know those warehouses? I'm going to show you a picture because just in case. I mean, you know the building. But when I found out that this building was his, it's this one right here, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite ones that mm -hmm. has been restored, you know, into office spaces, that type of thing. That's not the, so post, the old post office, is no, it? No, that's, that's I think the right IRS. Over is, on wall. That's okay. over where the IRS facilities are. Yeah. And then uh, one of his buildings that burnt to the ground in 2006 is he did this old candy factory in 1906, right? Oh, wow. That yes. 100 years almost to the date burnt that's down. That's so wild. That is, yes. yeah. Just wasn't that, isn't that just to the, that was just to the south of the uh, Union Station? Yeah, I think that's yeah, over on Wall exactly. too, that yeah. area. And then another one of my favorite buildings, uh, Ogden Union Stockyard Exchange Building, oh, which they're building out the re, in a big re, way over yeah. there. Fantastic city project that they're had a as vision a, for. As an outdoor retail person, you appreciate some of the work that's doing over there. Yeah. And beer person. And, and beer. beer. <laughs> All the beer. Exactly. Again. And so, I mean, you got to love that. Uh, that this is going on outside of projects just that you're, you know, associated with as well. Well, I mean, one of the things that attracted me and, you know, our, our family to Ogden was this incredible architectural legacy that was here. Like when we, how I came into Ogden was a little bit unique. I actually got hurt skiing up at Snow Basin and I couldn't. That's how we do it here. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't. I was told not to get out of bed, but I couldn't stay in bed for three weeks. So I literally, we had a home up in the valley and. I got in the car and I just started, I'm like, Tana, I've never been to Ogden. I've been vacationing up here for like two years. I've never actually been in Ogden. Mm. So we drove over, you know, came down uh, Ogden Canyon and, uh, and I just remember driving literally up Harrison and then I'd cut down and then go wa uh, Washington and then down and then wall. And then I started going basically east, west up all the streets. And, and I'm just, I was like, you know, Tana, can you believe this? Like, you know, she, she didn't know what I was talking about. So, you know, that's, and the 25th street and the downtown, I'm just like, wow. And then when you add so many other amazing amenities and assets that Ogden had, it was like, we should move here. And, just like and, that. And then, well, the hardest sell I ever made was convincing my wife to move from Scottsdale to Ogden. A little bit of a different... What's the pitch? What's the pitch? What'd you throw out? <laughs> you know, it, it was it was the seasons. Four seasons. seasons. It was the Four Seasons. Yep. We both grew up in Four Seasons. And there's uh, a romantic charm to that. I uh, lived in San Diego our, for a while and yeah. you miss it. You yeah, do. you, you do. We wanted it. our kids to grow up in the seasons and we wanted our, you know, I mean, Utah is an amazing family-friendly uh, state and, and, you know, it. there was a lot when we sat down and like, what we had talked about while we were engaged, like these are the things we wanted after we were married, we hit a lot of the checklists in this community. So we decided, you know, I'm like, let's, let's, let's do this. And uh, we really didn't know what we were going to do when we came up here, but we thought it'd be, you know, be a great place to, and I always wanted, you know, great place to start a family. And I always wanted to live in a, a ski town or something close to a ski town. And you ended up getting one. 
yeah, it's 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 turned into a great community. Now, obviously, you do a lot of the hard hat tours. You've been giving a lot of you know interviews to people. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz for this space. There's been a lot of excitement for the the projects that you've done. Which is what? What have you? What have you already done? There's what have we seen? What do we go five, to every right? day? Well, this is actually our ninth, but Nine, we now have a tenth off. building. Hmm. So we started, the actual first building we purchased was the business information center that the city had owned. And we actually bought that building, uh, 2444 Washington. It's directly across the street from Perry's Egyptian Theater. In What's fact, in the space now? Is it where you are yeah, now? Yeah, it's my office. Okay, got and it. so, you know, when I moved up here, uh, my partner and I, uh, Marty and I talked about having an office. I go, I don't really want to rent and, you know, I'd like to have an office building. So we talked about buying a building, which we did. And then... Uh, we were introduced to the Star Noodle, uh, mm-hmm. Star Noodle Parlor, and so that was the second acquisition that we made. And then we acquired uh, a building right next to it, which is now Office Evolution. But at the time, it was a separate transaction. And then we bought the uh, old bookstore, which was on twenty four thirty two Washington, I which is now Harley and Bucks and yeah. the Imagine Ballet Theater or in that building. Um, and then we actually bought this building, but we didn't do anything with it. We just kind of left it the way it was. And then we bought the building that the Even Stevens is in. So that was a, another acquisition. And then I love that building. Yeah, yeah, that was that was probably well. We also bought the automotive retail garage, kitty corner from the Temple on mm-hmm. Washington on the, on the corner. That was our biggest surprise. Like when we when we bought that, we loved the location. Uh, we, we, we love what we think the future of that area will look like in the next five to 10 years. But when we started taking all the years and years of deferred maintenance down and just cleaning it up uh, and then putting the windows back to where they were originally, the natural light that came into the building, the ceilings, all the, you know, it, it just turned into be an amazing surprise. So that was, that was a, a fun surprise. So we did that. We have, well, I think it's, a&Co, which is a salon in the front. We have an mm-hmm. incredible photography uh, studio in the back with a psych wall. Uh, so that's one of those walls that's like an infinity. It's curved at the bottom. For my first one I've ever seen. First one, and it's in one of our buildings. So, uh, And then now we're moved up to this building. And then Perry's, actually Perry's uh, apartments we purchased in 2015. Oh, so you've been sitting on that one for a little while. Yeah. How long has that been empty? You know, it was... Uh, it was empty for a while. Uh, it used to be, I think, a project that had a HUD contract associated with it, mm-hmm. and there was an individual out of California that owned it. And th- when that fell apart, I think he let it go back to the bank. We actually purchased it at the courthouse steps. First time I've ever bought. Like when I say, if you've heard that saying, "Oh, I bought it at the courthouse steps," they literally like walk out and auction stuff off. Did you have on it? The steps. Did you spy on it first, or you just bought it? Sight unseen. No, we we had okay. been tracking it for a while. Okay. Once we once uh, we felt that it wasn't going to uh, uh, make it, we yeah. thought it was going to fall into disrepair, and all the all the uh, tenants were evicted. I think the city evicted them because there was some abatement issues and some deferred maintenance on the building that the previous owner hadn't performed to, and it didn't meet the HUD standards anymore. So they were able to they evicted them and. You know, it was across the street from this project, and we obviously, we foreseen a substantial investment in this project, and we just wanted to make sure that that building was brought back up to where we felt needed to be. What was that auction experience like? It's, it was, it, 
I could hardly sign. I mean, they're auctioning off some like high-priced things, probably. Well, you know, yeah, it. it, it I just never done it. The first time you do anything, you're always nervous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've it, never done it. That's why I'm wondering. Why I was like. nervous, man. <laughs> I, and I'm like, I, yeah. I've done a lot of transactions, but that one was like, you know, just sitting there back and forth between me and another individual, and like, you know, we just okay, how much, how much, how much, how much, and back and forth, and you know, and then we finally like, okay, it's yours, and I'm like, okay, and I'm shaking and. You know, that was a new experience for me. Oh, yeah. What else were they auctioning off that day? Other buildings? Is that what mostly they I only was. I just showed up for that. I mean, sure there was. I just showed up for that one transaction. You saw that one coming. What what would Ogden look like without Thane Fisher? I mean, have you been here long enough to, to make that kind of a difference? You know, there's... I don't know how to say this. I'm very humbled by that question, and I'm flattered, but there's there's been a lot of people that have put a lot into Ogden well before we moved here yeah that you know I can I can look at roosters mm-hmm. on what they've done uh, Joe Packham she was another one on the street that came in and revitalized several buildings Heidi with brewskis was phenomenal and community support and really lending all her strength to the private events farmers markets etc 25th Street Association so there's just been a lot of people uh, over the years that I actually uh, know about and have experienced. Uh, I can look at uh, Thomas Hardy Salon. I mean, Thomas Hardy, who has, I get my hair cut, or I had getting That's my hair cut to go. for yeah, almost 10 years, there. but then now there's a salon. I'm, I'm very loyal to my tenants, so now that I have a salon, I'm a, I've abandoned Tom. I, Tom, if you you'd watch this, I'm so Tom. sorry, but I'm now getting my hair cut. Or you're an exclusive <laughs> podcaster. That's it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he had a he had a coffee cup in his window when I went in there, and he said, you know, when, I, when we came and bought this building and, and made it into a salon, it was, he had a coffee cup, and it said, uh, what was it? like something haircuts uh there's three things on it but one of them was like oh haircuts homeless and hookers <laughs> and, and, and you know it was like it was hilarious <laughs> oh, i mean yeah. it was there was a lot of uh, pioneers and entrepreneurs yeah. that came in way before you know uh, you look at uh yeah there's just there's just a lot of people that have been done so so maybe they a better laid, question they, would they be they laid a lot of groundwork they did yeah they really did i don't want to ever feel like you know and and it amazing what the you know the courage to come in and do what they did you know when we moved here we we bought into that recession and quite mm-hmm. frankly got our ass kicked i mean this the first five years of my time in ogden were not the most pleasurable five years of my life what was the year again that you came we, out well we moved in full time in 2006 okay but we started buying real estate in six seven eight nine okay right into the right into the cliff and you know fortunately we had some terrible partners but we also had a couple really, really good partners that, you know, when everything was just at its worst, came in and say, less than thing, how, how can we help you? And so that's really what, you know, what kind of turned our life around and allowed us to complete the vision that we had for these buildings. And so, you know, what would Ogden look like? Well, you know, hopefully we've led by example to say that you can actually make money in Ogden by rehabbing these buildings. You know, Dan McEntee's come in and done some really great work. He went out and did the Bingham facility, Slack. mm-hmm. Slackwaters, yeah. when no, I mean, he was like the pioneer out there. And there was one building out there. And I remember meeting him when I was actually 
touring some investors through Ogden and he came out and he was like one little building out in the middle of the, the, the river project. And, uh, you know, and since then he's, he's done the angry goat, he's done the, uh, uh, harp and hound. And, uh, I think he also did the Berthana building mm-hmm. or started, Berthana, you know, yeah. yeah. So, so it's there's a, people that have actually stepped in and there's right. been a lot of like Dave Kubley from, uh, I don't know if, you know, he was here for a while and, uh, he did the the building right next to ours, which was uh, where Visit Ogden is, and where uh, the Gold Foundation. He rehabbed those two buildings. So uh, Jared Allen even. Jared has done an amazing. Kind of jealous of Jared. I fought. <laughs> I tried to get that building for so many years. That's a good looking building. It is so amazing, and I yeah. was like, he 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 did he it. He showed up on the courthouse. Time he right did. Right. He did the courthouse thefts. <laughs> oh, so you were skiing that day. I, no, oh, I, you know, happened. I dealt with that gentleman's. I think his name was Bruce, and I I had offered him well more than Jared paid, and he just Jared was smart he picked it up he did you know great but it fell into the right hands I mean that's the thing that you know I I I don't look at what I've done but what I would say is if there was 10 people that were like Dan Jared myself and some others that each did about a building a year that would have been a hundred buildings done in the last 10 years can you imagine because that's honestly the truth, and we can vouch for most of the names that you listed uh, between Brandon and I. We know most of them, and uh, mm-hmm. it's—I mean—you're not in a room, you know, playing a big game of Monopoly, twisting your, your no. handlebar mustache. You know, the intentions are just about as as noble as you can, as far as really just buying into the community. You know, well, they're—I mean, for me, they're really cool buildings. Oh, now, beautiful buildings. We're not a—we're not a philanthropic company and we're a for-profit company so i have to make sure that you know my 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 equity partners and my investment partners i mean a lot of people look at me and go "Oh, you must have just all i'm the worker bee like i'm the guy out there you know i call it my fishbowl i'm in my fishbowl every day looking at opportunities and seeing where it makes sense yeah and you know that's one of the things we have to do and be careful about is it has to make sense and you know so how does it how does it make sense to um, to keep old buildings and and restore them versus tearing them down and building something new for a community? Well, quite frankly, if, and you know everybody, there's a lot of people out there that are a lot smarter than me, but I don't like to buy buildings that have had anything done to them. Like I, I say, I buy bird cages because I don't, I can't afford to buy a building that's had it. You know, I'm paying for somebody else's partial remodel. Mm-hmm. Like I want them right before they're ready to be torn down and somebody's ready to walk away from them because then I can afford to completely renovate them to the standard that we want to do. The one thing that I have is I have some very patient partners, mm-hmm. investors, investment partners. They're long-term thinking. We haven't sold anything. We've never flipped anything. We have no plans of flipping anything. So wow. we still have the first building we bought. And you know, uh, that's one of the conversations we have as part of you know, my investment group is that you know, we're a minimum 10, 15, 20 year hold minimum. Like if we're going to, if we have to have to flip that prior to that, then there's no way. And so I always say my, my daughters are going to do really, really well. Like (laughs) (laughs) they're going to be, they're going to be well. I still have to get up every morning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Somewhere on the other coast. Oh, that's Yeah. But it's, it's, I didn't, 
I didn't have the vision of the social impact of what we were doing when we first started. I mean, it has been a eye-opening experience when and humbling experience when we have these buildings renovated and turned around and we have people come up and say, you know, I, I got engaged in that building or I, I had my mm -hmm. first whatever mm -hmm. that first was in that building. And that was the first building I tagged. That was the <laughs> <laughs> I have I actually bought. had someone come to me and said, I'm so sorry for tagging your building. <laughs> <laughs> and I respected his honesty. Yeah. Like it was kind of cool that was he it was. this one? Yeah, it was. It was, it was oh. this one. He was like, uh, you know, he came to me and was doing some art and he wanted to get you know, he wanted to use a, bar, a building for one <laughs> of my spaces my and he goes, I got to get that. He did. And I'm like, at least he has, he's guilty. Like he feels, he feels that. And I just said, you know, Hey, uh, yeah, it's not cool. Like it's totally not, but you know, what's it's, you know, what's not, it's not the graffiti that really hurts our buildings, even though I'm not a big fan of graffiti, uh, done as tagging. There's right. a beauty for, there's a, there's an art and a beauty about graffiti that I can appreciate, but the tagging side of it isn't one. But it's when people are on top of your buildings, running around your buildings, and they're punching little holes through your roof, it's the cost of painting over a tag is is nothing compared to replacing a $30,000 roof. Yeah. And that's what I don't think people understand. Like, you know, yeah. like you, and quite frankly, you know, I was young once and I did a lot of stupid things too. So I don't want to get on a soapbox, but the, you know, if there's one thing that- Oh, uh, you rode motorcycles, so we know. I actually got arrested on the top of the roof. So it, was a, yeah, it was such a hypocritical yeah, statement. Know, I hey, just said I was in third grade and I called up experience. on a roof. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's That's bring it karma. back to the monarch though. Yes. Um, when did you, when did the arts come in? Because this is uh, an art centric building, a creative space. Uh, when did that become? That's not the first place people go to. They think tech money, like, you know, things that can make money. So when did the arts come in? Well, I fly back and forth almost every month except in the summers to Arizona and, and uh, to go talk to my partners, et cetera. And, and I'm going through these in-flight magazines and I've typically was, you know, I can't remember the airline we were flying, but Scottsdale has from roughly December through April, this big art tent show where they invite these artists to come out. And it's like a 20,000 square foot tent. And they would, uh, you know, they have all these tents cut up to these studios and they all have like a 10 by 10 or a 20 by 20 space and they they do their they do their creative art there and then they sell it and and so I started just I think I called up and how much is it for one of these studio spaces or this they are not studios they're kind of just it's a you know it's an indoor environment but it's still a tent and I started looking at that economic model going wow that's interesting and then we've had incredible success with the farmer's market mm -hmm. and, yeah. and you know, the, I, I started going, okay, well that's a 10 by 10 space. And I looked at this building and said, well, I could literally house the entire farmer's market inside this building. Mm. Cause I started figuring out the square footage. And then I said, well, and they're paying X amount. And I said, so that's kind of where the idea came from. It's like, well, yeah. what if we said, you know, after the summer's over, what if we just move the entire, farmer's market inside this building. And I, I started talking to another gentleman who is a developer here. And he said, you know, Thane, he goes, that's not an original idea. Like there's a guy in New York doing this. 
And so he gave me his name. I hounded him for like a year. He finally agreed to meet with me. I flew out there. I spent a week with him. And, you know, he has one of the largest art studio spaces in America. And so we started talking about, you know, what was the vision for this building? And so he was the one that really instilled with me, give the, give the, the creative a true spot to create. Don't make mm-hmm. it about retail. Don't make it about, oh, you're going to sell stuff for people. He said, people like to be among their peers. People like yeah. to be, you know, in their tribe. Yep. And he says, just give them a really, really cool space to create in. Mm-hmm. And he said, and then try to keep your standards high. And then you had to go make, make the numbers work. And I had to come back and make the numbers work. Yeah. And, and the numbers really, that's probably the hardest part of this project. Well, one of the hardest part is because this building had a lot of deferred maintenance, but structurally it didn't even come close to code from a seismic standpoint, from a structural standpoint. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, when you walk through this <laughs> building and see all the brace frames and shear walls and helical piers that are holding this. And, and you know, I don't know. I look at it and say, hey, it's, this, this building hasn't done anything in 100 years. But, you know, to bring it up to code, there was a huge investment from that standpoint. So what I had to do is kind of take the Rubik's Cube of finance and go, okay, we're going to figure out how to make this work because we're going to have to use tax credits. And so the, the low-hanging fruit was the historical tax credits. Mm-hmm. It met all the requirements. So from a federal level, you can receive a 20% uneligible expenses, federal tax credit that people can, you can actually sell those to people or you can use them internally. Hmm. So we figured that part out and then there was another federal tax credit called new market tax credits, which uh, we ended up, that was kind of the unicorn that we were able to lasso. And then it came back to the last piece of the puzzle was the RDA, which was a local property tax credit. And we happened to fall in the I think it's the Adams Avenue or the Adams CRA mm-hmm. district. And we presented to the RDA and they felt that the economic impact of the Monarch and, and what we would bring to the community would be worth accepting. And so we received the RDA tax credits. So, so we had to layer of- those all. In, so we're actually upside down in this building for seven years. Like there's no way to be right side up, but after they, the, the new markets actually kick in, which it takes seven years, then we actually get right side up. That's uh, coincidentally the, the weird. The we're upside model. down for ten, right? Yeah, so <laughs> nine, it's nine, 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 and then yeah. so we're yeah. real okay. business geniuses. We're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, yeah, well, we can actually start a pain. We can start paying each other for this in ten years. So, so <laughs> we have a book coming out uh, probably next year because we're going to wait a year before we make any money, so we can put this book out and it's how to podcast for ten years and not make a damn dime. So I think. Yeah, that's, doing business the banyan way. Doing business the banyan way, and then and then that's that's going to be our our waterfall of funds right there. Will be our book sales. Uh, but there's so much more to us than just that. <laughs> yeah. So I have a couple questions for you. Um, first question: uh, So you bartended a little bit when you were younger. You give a lot of hard hat tours. You give a lot of talks. You a lot of interviews. Uh, private person, sociable person. Uh, you set up shop in the valley, so you, you live over on the other side. So it's a little bit quieter over there. Yes. So where's do you need a balance between the two, or how's that work for you? So you know, growing up in very rural Montana, I love rural. Like that's that's who I am. I love so it's that not word. Like you wanted to escape, escape you can't, that. You, you say it sober or drunk, it sounds the same. 
You're obsessed rural. with the word rural. I love the word yeah. rural. So rural. my wife is the one that says I have an accent. She's like, you know, you, you, you know, you're, you, you can tell, especially if I sing. She's like, oh my god, you sing with such a twang. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't. Like that's how everybody sings. That but, person, I, we're getting you in the van for van sessions. That's coming up, dude. So I guess, uh, yeah, the uh, I, I'm from Montana. I still have that Montana twang, but uh, no, I. I I like having space around me, which the valley provides me. You know, we moved from Scottsdale to Ogden. We lived in Ogden actually for six years. We moved here in 2006. Where'd you live in Ogden? On the uh, the bench, we actually had an old historic home that uh, on the corner of 25th and Tyler. It was actually owned by the Brownings yeah. from a the, uh, the land there. standpoint, but I don't know if they ever occupied it. But they I, and I think they built it, but I, I don't think they ever two, lived three there. Three blocks from there. So yeah, and so there. you know. But I felt like, well, we just moved from a city to a city. Like our neighbors were still close right by right yeah. there. And so when uh, when we had an opportunity to go up into the valley and we found a, a spot that we liked and it had four or five acres to it. And, you know, uh, it was just kind of the I like that. Like I one of my best nights is sitting out on the deck listening to the irrigation sprinklers. That just is to me is like heaven. That's a good sound. I like that. As yeah, well. it's mesmerizing. I like that as well. All right, question number two. This is a and this one I, you've addressed it. I think at some point in a in a Facebook post, but uh, it came up just the other day when I was talking about the monarch. And this is a woman that I'm so so bad with names. I can't remember who it was that mentioned it to me, but she's pissed about the exterior color of this building. So let's talk about that. Let's kind of get to the bottom of that again, because okay. this is something you've addressed. Like the paint, like the color that it is yeah, now. Yeah, I okay. don't know what attachment. She, I don't know if she had an attachment to just raw brick, which is white or white now. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me about that. Tell me kind of the story on that one. Well, you know, I mean, the I'm I'm trying to think of the story. There really wasn't a story. But so. there was a was there. So a there was some there was some requirement or was it no? Uh, so I mean, the the building had been painted for 40, 50 years white on the west side. And so for years, for year, four decades. Yeah. And but it was, you know, and it wasn't just painted white. It was painted white with palm trees because it was like, I think that's sen- important. It was senior frogs. <laughs> so, I mean, it was like half the building was painted all the way up the side. And then what people did. So <laughs> is this a, I guess there is a story here. So in, in uh, 2008, there was a group that bought the building and they started redeveloping the building. And when the market fell off a cliff, that came to a halt. But one of the things is that this building actually had two colors. And so they went out and painted it all like a beige, but they tried to paint it to match the brick. So all the building was painted in 2008 to match the brick. But the, the other reason why it was painted was because half the building was white with palm trees on that. So it went from the, the obviously Ogden Avenue all the way up to the second floor was solid white. And so I was actually... You had a conversation, obviously, with this person. I had a per- conversation with another person, and and Joe came up to me, and she's like, she goes, saying, why, why did you do the exterior of the building white? And I'm like, well, Joe, like, it's been white for 50 years. And then there was like six years that it was painted to match the brick color, and then it got painted white again. So no one ever said anything about it for 40, 50 years. So, you know, from a historical standard standpoint, you kind of, when you get accepted on the actual register you get it you kind of have to comply with how it was at the time that it was accepted right because if you look at the transition of buildings 
over time, they change. And so one of pig fuchsia, like exactly. Well, what's interesting is, you know, I guess a real good example of this is everybody knew the Star Noodle Building as the Star Noodle Building. It was a restaurant that they had gone to since the '40s. But what what actually allowed it to be put on the historical register was it was a theater, and it was called the Mm. Rex Theater. And all the photos that we had and all the historical significance was primarily the Rex Theater. So when we make application at the uh, from a from a, a historical tax credit standpoint, y- y- you kind of have to stay with the application that you make. And so when we had made application for this building, this building had been painted. And so one of the things that we did have communication with was our H VAC and our engineer that, you know, basically people well above my pay grade that say, okay, this is the best way, most effective system to heat and cool your building. Because we have the single pane windows throughout this whole building. So the good side is we got all this beautiful natural light. The downside is that they're all single pane and there's no efficiency here. And so he's like, you know, if you do anything other than a light color, when you repaint this building, it's going to be, it's going to really like, don't go paint the outside black or even dark. So, you know, we basically painted it white because the front of the building had been white for, I think, its entire history. Hmm. It had been white. And then it was white with this red. I don't know when they painted the red. And, but, you know, again, we have all this photo evidence of historically the, painting, the building had been painted many, many times, many, many different levels. But when we painted it all white, I think the... I think the difference was is the front was always painted white, but the back was kind of either painted a simulated brick color or a different color. So people never put together that this was actually one building. So I th- Oh, I never did. I thought it was yeah. a hodgepodge of spaces. I th- yeah. And I think that's what shocked people was how yeah. large this building yeah, actually huge. was. And when I made it one consistent color, like I just said, okay, let's just paint the whole building white because one, I... I we you made had, an executive decision. I made an executive yeah. decision. And, you know, we brought the back and the facade on the front, uh, we, we brought back to highlighting so that it Which didn't so all blend together. All pops that, now. Yeah. And there's people that, you know, it's not, you know, yes, it's an executive decision, but it's a decision made through asking a lot mm-hmm. of people that are smarter than me what would be the best way to do this. And the one thing I did want to show, though, is this was one building. I didn't want people to think it was two buildings. No, that's a good point. And yeah. so we unified this building. And I think that's what made people go a step back and go, holy smokes. It completely changed the scope of the building on the street. So I think what people really want to know is, are you pro or anti palm trees ever again? You know, in today's society, I, I'm just going to stay neutral. I can't go either pro or con on the palm trees. Neutral. It's a good choice, <laughs> good political decision there. <laughs> there could I be think. half of yeah. the creatives out there may love palm may trees. May love palm trees, yeah. I don't want to alienate them. We, we might just, in the ode to the building, put a little palm tree <laughs> action on our walls I'm thinking, here. I'm thinking yeah. a palm tree on the banyan. Uh, the banyan. A banyan, banyan palm. Tree. A banyan tree. Yeah, I think we could talk then to you for another like couple hours getting to know you. So I think we're going to have to do like episode two because this was enjoyable just a little bit of past bringing the past into how you came upon the monarch and what you did and where you came from which is super interesting to those of us who live here and grew up here in ogden because you're not from here but you've been here for almost 10 years right so almost 
we're 13, 14, 13 years or 14 now. years. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're one of us, you know, my kids were born here. So there you go. They'll there vouch go. for me. <laughs> I, I love it. So, <laughs> I mean, I think we can, we, as this building begins to fill out with, uh, people who are renting and some rent space and some of the, the commercial along with some of the artists who come in here, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back on and hearing your opinion too. Well, so, thank you. Yeah. It's been Todd, a pleasure. You got anything else? Yeah, no, thank you so much. Just a quick follow up on that comment. The, yeah. the re one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up too is that these spaces that have been empty for so long, people drive by every day, their whole life, literally probably their whole life, some of these spaces, and they start developing these ideas in their head of either maybe what they could do with it or what it was yeah. or what it is, yeah. and then what it ends up being may conflict a little bit with that. But that's one of these things about taking it back to the way that it was in 1927, 1929, you can't really go wrong there. Well, we've, we've enjoyed the process. You know, we haven't done it. I've never done ground up construction, so I don't know any difference. So that's maybe. I say stick with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all we, all, yeah. This is all I know right now. And yeah. I hope that the, uh, I hope people respond positively to what we're trying to do. I think that they will. Well, thanks for the taking the time. The first of many conversations. Yep. Thank and you. more information can be found at the Monarchs website uh, and join the Hard Hat Tours as well. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh Instagram is up. Web page is yeah. up. Web page is looking good. It's getting there. We've got, oh, it's going to. It's got some good information on it. It'll there. be great once we see you finish photos. Like right now, we're still in the Hard Hat Tour phase. Yes, the rendering's in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, thanks Awesome. Again. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Well, put a bow on it. That wraps us for episode 12 of the Nine Rails Arts Podcast. Banyan Collective Arts and Adventure Podcasting since 2010. Do not miss an episode of the Banyan Collective's Nine Rails Arts Podcast as we explore what it means to be an adventurous creative in 2019. Hear stories of Ogden's new Nine Rails Creative District, including those of the district's epicenter, and home of artisans, designers, and creatives, the building we just spent an hour interviewing, the, <laughs> the, the uh, tour, uh, hard hat tour guide of, which is the Monarch Building. So follow the Nine Rails Arts Podcast on Facebook and also on Instagram, Instagram at the number nine for Nine Rails. And for more from the Banyan Collective, simply search the Banyan Collective on iTunes, Spotify, and now on YouTube. This week, we'll leave you with a little Van Sessions track from Utah Battle of the Bands winners, Far Gone, recorded live in a van inside the Monarch building. This is Far Gone with Into the Storm. Take it away, Mitchie.
Cause you feel and you fight and you fall after all All the world's crashing down all at once But you're nothing at all Lift your head and your mind and your heart to the call This is it, this is real Be robust against the dying of the light We stay up till midnight Underneath the moonlight Another day is gone Gotta keep on moving on In a bed of roses When the matter closes I'll hold you in my arms Until your tears are dry and your heart is mine I can feel it in the air tonight So grab the mast And sail this ship into the storm Move on, though we're in ruin Look ahead and think about the outcome The hero could not dwell in his defeat Our time of youth has ended I've eaten dirt a time or two But I've never let it get me down Cause you feel and you fight and you fall after all All the world's crashing down all at once You're nothing at all Lift your head and your mind and your heart to the call This is it, this is real Be robust against the dying of the light We stay up till midnight Underneath the moonlight Another day is gone Gotta keep on moving on In a bed of roses When the matter closes I'll hold you in my arms Until your tears are dry And your heart is mine I can feel it in the air tonight So grab the mast And sail this ship into the storm We stay up till midnight Underneath the moonlight Another day is gone Gotta keep on moving on In a bed of roses When the matter closes I'll hold you in my arms Till your tears are dried And your heart is mine I can feel it in the air tonight So grab the mast and sail this ship into the storm
into the storm Yeah, far gone right here on Van Sessions inside the Monarch.